The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Hey, thanks for having me back. So what time does the waterfowler wake up to go hunting? At the quack of dawn. You stink! Get it, quack? (laughs) Quack of dawn? Duck Hunter? Get off the stage! <laughs> Thanks. You guys are great. Today on The Revolution, Jim and Trav are targeting waterfowl and 100% foolproof old school fundamentals that work. Because let's face it, the reality of waterfowl hunting is that everyone misses, blows a decoy spread, and we should all scout harder and call better. And it's presented to you by Outdoor Channel at OutdoorChannel.com. Now, give it up for Jim and Trav. <laughs> was that you? That was me. Do it again. <laughs> you like that? No. Wow. That's my that's my hand call. <laughs> my kids never, think it's awesome. Never would have guessed that one. <laughs> Holy cow. Can you believe it, guys? This is the first week of October. Yes. This is Jimbo's birthday month. Yes, it is. Now, how old are you going to be, young man? Uh, 25. 25. <laughs> I like you, too. That's right. Times 68. 68 years old. Yeah, you can come in, too, and count the rings. But can you do this, bunny? <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to sing you happy birthday with my hand call. Do it. Ooh. Uh, 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 uh. You like that? <laughs> well, I can't I wait till the day rolls that. around. <laughs> Jim, can you sing melody to that? All right, so this is your... candle out like that. <laughs> <laughs> this is your ultimate waterfowling guide to fall on uh, today's show. We are talking about waterfowling, obviously. Mrs. Bunny is joining us. Mrs. Bunny, how you doing? What's up? I'm great. Uh, cool. You know, we're going to have a John Devney. Yeah, with, uh, Delta Waterfowl. Delta Waterfowl. He is their uh, vice president of uh, U.S. policy. Pretty or cool guy. Afghanistan and Iraq. Yeah, also Craig DiMartino, brand new show, Fight to Survive, Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time on you Outdoor Channel. You believe this story. All oh, this amazing guy felt like 100 feet, cracked every single bone in his body. Yeah. And a duck flew overhead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, flew him to the hospital. No, pretty cool show. Going to tell us about uh, his daring Dude. Uh, tale of survival. Uh, it's kind of a really is fitting for the show. Yeah. A lot of things can happen out there in the field. Also, we're going to be joined by a Chad Belding uh, from uh, Benelli's The Foul Life, which is also on Outdoor Channel Thursday, 7 p.m. Uh, Eastern Time Outdoor Channel. Uh, who else we got? Oh, Charlie Palmer. He is a He's resident uh, resident chef for Remington, and of course, last week we got a really nice care package from Remington with a bunch of marinades and rubs and lots uh, of great stuff, barbecue sauce. But he and is, so he's going to talk about cooking ducks. Yeah, he's going to be telling us how to prepare a waterfowl. But Mrs. Bunny. What are you going to be talking about? Uh, Using a 20-gauge for waterfowl, believe it or not. These odd 20-gauge waterfowling lows, they're brought to you by Nissan. Nissan. Duck, duck, duck. Goose. You like that song? No. No. Don't even like the game. So, Mrs. Bunny, take it away. Okay. So, uh, using a 20-gauge for waterfowl hunting. Technology has come a long ways, and uh, even though it is... Um, a smaller gun. It doesn't mean that uh, it doesn't work in the field. And your wallet certainly isn't going to hate you for shooting a 20-gauge instead of a 12-gauge. Uh, look at the prices at your local sporting goods stores. A box of 3-inch shells, 3-inch 20-gauge shells, retails for 3 to $5 less than the 3-inch 12-gauge shells. There's and that th- big of a discrepancy? Yeah, a price really? difference, yeah. And about 10 bucks less than the 3.5-inch than the 12-gauge shells. So if you uh, are shooting a lot of um, shells... Um, this could certainly be friendly on your wallet. So um, if you're going to shoot, you know, you can uh, save up your money and you can yeah. get some newer, more decoys. You can do whatever. Uh, 20 gauge, is it ideal for like those giant Canada's? No. Uh, however, if you're doing decoying ducks um, 25 to 30 yards and under, uh, it's an ideal uh, choice. So uh, additionally, with proper t- um, pattern testing, um, this range allows you to use number four shot, which boosts your pellet count to numbers that compare or exceed a lot of your 12 gauge number two loads. Now, what do you... Uh- 
uh, what do you go with? Like uh, Federal's Black Cloud? Yeah. They make 20 gauge loads. Yeah, the Black Cloud is one of the really popular ones. Right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Winchester has a, a great load as well. But uh, as far as the Black Cloud goes, um, the pellet count on one ounce of number four is 192. Oh, wow. Which surpasses uh, 156 pellets found in the 12 gauge um, three inch load. So there's just as many pellets and more in the 20 gauge load. Um, giving you knockdown power at at shorter distances. Yeah, actually, uh, it's really important, and you mentioned it earlier, to make sure you pattern that to know exactly where your gun is shooting. Exactly. Because, you know, you, you're, you're shooting at closer ranges, but at the same time, if you've got holes in that shot pattern, uh, you want to make sure that you compensate for those. Right. So the 20 gauge's pellet density gap is further narrowed by unique wad designs from these water, these specialty loads, loads like the waterfowl load, which stay with the payload for um, far longer than the traditional Additional watts. So the result is a shorter shot string and a tighter, more consistent pattern, uh, as long as you go out and pattern it and make sure, which um, ultimately um, results in a more ballistically efficient shot shell. Well, you know, you, when you're talking about shot string, that is from the first pellet going out of the end of the barrel to the last one. And that's the shot string that they're talking about. And it's surprisingly enough, sometimes it can land a second or two later. You know, and so in your your killing distance may be affected by that uh, shot strength. Absolutely. All right, now let's move on to uh, preserving uh, the waterfowl, especially if you want to take and uh, mount this trophy. But like birds you shoot early on, you, you necessarily don't want to mount, do you? As a rule, due to their plumage. As a rule, there's a um, a famous taxidermist who's famous for his waterfowl. He says that if you shoot a bird before November fifteenth, do not plan on keeping that one for the wall. Yeah. Um, the pin feathers in the plumage um, are real. There's a lot of them, and they make a poor mount. And with uh, taxidermy costing as much as it does, they do not recommend doing it on birds shot before November fifteenth. The biggest thing is preserving them properly. I, there's a duck right behind Jim. Yeah, it's a pintail. Studio right now, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, they say that the actually the best way to preserve um, birds before you take them to the taxidermist, if it's going to be a little bit, if you take them directly there, that's one thing. If you're going to wait a year or two, save up your money, whatever you need to do, if you're just going to put it in the freezer, you're trying to figure out what to do with it. There's a few things that you need to do to keep them safe. Um, the best way of doing it is to freeze them in a block of ice entirely. Oh, really? Fill up a if it's a smaller bird, fill up um, really uh, be like yeah. a teal. Yeah. Like put it in a bucket and freeze it in a bucket of water? No, like a Ziploc bag. You oh. can get you can get Ziplocs. You can get Ziplocs that are fairly decent size. Oh yeah. You can get bigger ones. So you um wet your bird down. So this is for smaller birds like Harley Quinn's teal widgeons. Um you uh Fill it full of water, uh-huh. add your bird, and freeze it solid. By entombing it in this block of ice, it protects the feathers from unnatural bending and the extremities from breaking. Because a lot of people, they go and they put their bird in the freezer, they put something on top of it, and it's frozen and breaks the neck off. And it can be frozen. It, yeah, can it be- looks like hey. a box of Lipton's iced tea. Yeah. I have never thought of that. No. Have yeah. you? Actually, I had heard, uh, not the not the block of ice, but actually take uh, your wife's old pantyhose and slide them into the pantyhose well, and then yeah. tie it off. Yeah, that's yeah, true. Those aren't going to hold water, though. Well, <laughs> the key is to wash the bird down so yeah, that all the feathers in the down are wet before you freeze them. Because if you don't wet it first, the small feathers hold air. Yeah. And so um, even when submerged. Now, you know what I want to do? Is get a trash bag and put all my birds. It'd, be, it'd weigh like 500 pounds. <laughs> Just fill up an old trash bag full of water and birds. It'd put be that like in the freezer. It'd be like a, forklift. a frozen aquarium. <laughs> now, to or, your point. <laughs> yeah, you could have your own aviary. There you go. <laughs> well, to your point about pantyhose, if you're not going to put them in water and freeze them like that, you know, there are other ways of doing it. Um, the, the first thing you should do is... Um, Actually, keep your dog away from it. Don't let him retrieve it, you know, because you want it to look nice. Slip a sleeve of pantyhose over the bird to protect the feathers, like you said. Um, but also, um, when you're going to do it, storing the bird, uh, you should always tuck the head under the wing. Mm-hmm. And that protects it um, more. Uh, and they also recommend that you put wet paper towels around the head and the feet um, to protect it as well. All right. So this is your ultimate waterfowling guide to fall on today's show. Just join. I miss his body. Uh, there you uh, go. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs>
That is so good. That Thank is you. really good. Thank you. You should uh, compete. I do. <laughs> I do. You compete with our children, with yes. Sharky. All yes, right, I so uh, coming up after the break, we're going to be joined by uh, John Daphne Delta Waterfowl. He is the vice president of U.S. Policy. Here is a word from Mark, but we want to say a special thank you to Outdoor Channel, outdoorchannel.com forward slash revolution, Nissan, nissanusa.com, rugerruger.com, high mountain seasonings, h-i-m-t-n jerky.com, Cabela's, world's foremost outfitter, cabela's.com, Extreme Beam. ExtremeBeam.com. Lucky Buck. Lucky Buck. Lucky Dash Buck. Lucky Dash Buck. Remington. Remington.org. No, it's actually Remington.com. All right, so uh, more waterfowling to come after break. Mrs. Bunny, thank you so much. (laughs) (laughs) Jim and I will be back in just a second with John Debney. Don't go anywhere. Decoy strategies from Outdoor Channel. Visibility is the key. Not every decoy spread has to be set in a prime feeding or resting area. On a windy day or on flight days, when large number of birds are packed on the move, simply setting a good spread in an area where ducks will see it can result in an action-packed, productive hunt. Wanting more waterfowl tips? OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com has dozens of articles, interviews, and hundreds of hours of archive shows to keep you in the know. That's OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. An Outdoor Channel original series. My name is Louis Tuminaro. I grew up on Long Island. I learned everything there is to know about guns from my pop. There comes a time when every man has to realize their dream. Mine, buying and selling guns out west. So I moved my family, including pops, from Long Island all the way to Hamilton, Montana. I'm here for the love of guns. I'm bringing New York with me. An Outdoor Channel original series, The Gunfather, Wednesdays, 8 p.m. Eastern. A good hunting and fishing buddy is hard to find these days. They've got to push through the most grueling and enduring adventures. That's where the Nissan Frontier comes in. It's the perfect wilderness partner with a first-in-class Utilitrack cargo carrying system to strap down your big game and tons of power from a massive 261-horsepower V6 engine. The Frontier has got your back, even on the days you might come up short. Nissan. Innovation that excites. Available features, 2014 Ward Segmentation Small Pickup Class. Properly secure all cargo. The Ruger American Rimfire Rifle combines features of the Ruger American Rifle and innovations of the 1022 Rimfire Rifle to appeal to all bolt-action enthusiasts. It features a modular stock system that provides comb height options for scope or iron sight use. A power bedding integral bedding block system for outstanding accuracy. A Ruger Marksman adjustable trigger and a 1022-style rotary magazine for reliable feeding. The Ruger American Rimfire Rifle, another rugged, reliable firearm from Ruger. Coming up on this episode of The Revolution with Jim and Trav, it's all about foul-smelling water. No, that's not correct. Oh. Uh, just please read the script. Thanks. Okay, it's all about waterfowl. Yeah, that makes more sense. So enjoy. But you gotta remember, ducks are different. If you're blowing at mallards, you gotta make a mallard sound. This is a mallard hen. Now you actually taught Jace Robertson how to blow a duck call, right? No, actually that was Bunny. Oh, Bunny! <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about her. I'll tell you what, folks, if you're just joining us, you just missed on Miss Bunny and she her has... duck call. <laughs> yeah, it's beyond reproach. <laughs> I forgot about that. It hey, took, well, you'll uh... never get a duck on final approach, but what the heck? All right, so we are talking. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was funny. Uh, this is your ultimate waterfowl guide to fall on today's show. Uh, Mrs. Bunny was before the break showing us. Yeah, her, what, do you, what do you think about that twenty gauge shotgun? Show for ducks. Pretty cool. I'm not going to be using it. I'm going out with my 12. <laughs> I'm going out with my 10. The idea is right now we're just being joined, being joined by uh, John Devney, and uh, he is Delta Waterfowl's vice president of uh, U.S. policy. That was, uh, you used to have that job, Jim. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. Now, uh, yeah, they turned everything down. Well, Delta Waterfowl, uh, such a great conservation organization and others, uh, some government, uh, even uh, institutions, are really doing their best to improve quality hunting opportunity for sportsmen. But it really seems like the polarization on Capitol Hill uh, continues to put politics before good policy. But that really doesn't seem to be stopping uh, the duck production. Numbers are really up right now, aren't they, John? They're making ducks. Oh, yeah. Numbers are really good, guys. Are they? Um, the estimate this year from the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service showed all-time record breeding population. And 
obviously really good news, but it's it's really been driven by extraordinary wetland conditions we had this spring and then throughout the summer. Yeah. Now, in the population, in the in the uh, duck breeding area, which species has been most prolific? Well, I mean, we've got a lot of them. Um, you know, I think this year the only species that declined um, were pintails were down a little bit and scop were down a, a little bit. But all the rest of the species, mallards, gadwall, widgeon, green wings, blue wing teal, shovelers, redheads, canvasbacks, are all way, way, way above their long-term average. I mean, you've got a species like gadwall, it's 102% above their long-term average. Shovelers are 114%. Uh, teal populations are way above their long-term average. So, guys, it's it's been pretty much an across-the-board story. All right. So, the past four years, things have been good. Lots of moisture, duck production's up, uh, everybody's happy. But that's kind of like when you have, uh, when you've been strapped for cash for a long time, then all of a sudden you get this big influx of money, your bank account looks really good. You, you have a tendency to get a bit lethargic at work. You know, you're comfortable. This isn't the time for waterfowlers uh, just to take a back seat. I mean, we need to be more vigilant than ever in our habitat management and so on and so forth if we want to keep these numbers up, correct? Well, that's right. And, and frankly, um, I think a lot of us are sort of blown away that we continue to have these really good numbers because yeah. we've lost so much habitat. You know, from 2007 to today, we've lost almost 2 million acres of oh, CRP grass geez. just in North Dakota. Really? Um, we know we're losing ponds in the U.S. We know we're losing a lot of ponds in Prairie Canada to drainage. Uh, we've lost a lot of native grassland. So really what's driven these populations is just really opportunistic precipitation. Well, you're right, Travis. I mean, you know, we're not going to have that forever. Yeah. Um, you guys have been in a drought recently. You know what that can do. If we get one of those, you know, we start getting more average to dry conditions, these duck populations will fall apart because really they are the product of just really, really good precipitation. Yeah. Now, you, you said that uh, duck season opened for you uh, this past weekend. Have you noticed now these guys have been watching all of this duck production and all of the the phenomenal rates of, of uh, increase in the number of, of ducks and species and so forth. Uh, have they changed the uh, bag limits? The, the sort of general season frameworks are basically the same since they've been in the mid-90s. That's, you know, a 60-day season and four mallards in the Mississippi Flyway, 107 days in the Pacific Flyway, 60 in the Atlantic and 72 in the Central. So the, the season frameworks haven't changed. The, the only thing that sort of gets changed up a little bit is, uh, you know, the annual sort of decision-making on species like canvasback, scop, and pintail. And then this year, the there's greater opportunity on... Uh, blue-wing teal. And, you know, here we are in North Dakota, never had a special blue-wing, haven't had a special blue-wing teal season for oh, a millennia. And this year, we get to shoot two bonus blue-wing teal to, during the first 16 days of our duck season. And, and that's just a function of having super, super, super abundant blue-wing teal across the continent. You bet. Now, uh, one last question for you. Uh, are you in the area, or is it further south where you get the cinnamon teal? No, most of those guys are further west. Oh, really? Yeah, they, you know, the, the that's a bird that's, I, I've seen one cinnamon teal in all my time in North Dakota, and that was about three springs ago. And it, very occasionally you'll see them. But, you know, Montana, western Montana, little bit in southwestern Alberta, California, Utah, uh, those are the places where the cinnamons are. We don't have them here in this part of the world with any sort of frequency. Yeah, but sadly enough, the the uh, the plumage that everybody really adores uh, is actually in the springtime of the year during the breeding season, right? Oh, yeah, those big russet-colored drakes. They're a spectacular duck. That's when my beard looks the best, too. <laughs> everybody <laughs> adores my beard in the spring. So it just, keeps making nests. Just to recap this, with the loss of habitat uh, that we've accrued over the past couple of years, and if rains, they start to decrease, crap is really going to hit the fan is what you're alluding to, though. Yeah. I mean, you know, we've been riding really favorable wetland conditions. Oh, yeah. And that's as, as a result of good precipitation. And, 
you know, when that stops, uh, unfortunately, I think we're going to start to see the warts that have happened on this landscape. Um, you know, we were in great shape, guys, uh, riding right up to 2007, lots of CRP, yeah. very little wetland loss in the Dakotas. Prairie Canada was hurting. Mm-hmm. Um, Prairie Canada has continued to lose wetlands at a pretty alarming rate. But, you know, we've sort of been able to offset that with all the duck production that's occurred on CRP-rich lands in the Dakotas. Um, but, yeah, I mean, once once the spigot gets turned off, unfortunately, uh, this landscape's in much poorer shape than it's been in for a long time. You bet. Hey, that was John Devaney, and he's with Delta Waterfall. He's actually the vice president of U.S. policy for them. And coming up next, we have got uh, Craig, get this, DiMartino. He has a new program called Fight to Survive on Outdoor Channel. Yeah, it's all about survival. Got to check it out. Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time, Outdoor Channel. It's going to be pretty cool. This guy is nuts. All right, so we're going to be taking a break from the uh, waterfowling action for just a second to hear about how this guy fell from a cliff. Craig had emergency surgery and spent the next five days in ICU on a ventilator. You hear that? That's a cliffhanger. Uh, oh, <laughs> that was bad. All right, big thank you to <laughs> Outdoor Channel Nissan Ruger, High Mountain Seasonings, Cabela's, Extreme Beam, Remington, and Lucky Buck. Here's a word from Mark. Uh, Mr. John, you're awesome. Big Daddy, thanks so much, man. Yeah, thank you, guys. All righty. Mastering the basic quack by Nissan. Finish what you've started. Some callers never master a basic quack and then wonder why the ducks don't come into their spread. People use quack, quack, quack when there needs to be a clean, crisp quack instead. Stick to the basics and end your quacks and everything else is second. For more intel on becoming the ultimate waterfowler, OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com is where you need to head. And you can also sign up for our weekly e-newsletter, OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. And the boys will be back right after these messages. It's been said that the history of weapons is indeed the history of the world. Gun Stories, hosted by Joe Montaigne. We go behind the barrel with historians, shooters, and experts. A riveting journey through the history of firearms. These are the three finest American shotguns ever made. Clint Eastwood's got this gun. I gotta have one. Midway USA's Gun Stories, Wednesday night, 7.30 Eastern. Meet the gun that almost won the West. On Outdoor Channel. Hot Caramel Apple Crunch is one of the tasty treats that awaits you at High Mountain Seasonings. Order your jerky and sausage kits, snacking sticks, marinades, rubs and shakers, and more by going to HIMTNJerky.com today. Increase the amount of camera pictures you get this fall by using Lucky Buck Mineral. Dump a bucket of Lucky Buck in front of your trail cameras and you'll be amazed at how quickly the deer will find it. The sweet apple smell combined with the minerals deer need will bring them in close. Lucky Buck Mineral. Grow bigger bucks or get your money back. When you're hunting dangerous game, trouble can sneak up on you from any angle. Well, in the gun cabinet, rust and corrosion can do the same to your guns, and you won't know it until it's too late. Over time, gun care products break down and lose their ability to prevent rust. To protect your equipment, Remington Gun Care reminds you to inspect and clean your guns twice a year, even in climate-controlled environments. Remington Gun Care. Look for it wherever you buy your favorite shooting supplies. Hey, guess what? What? (laughs) This is the revolution with Jim and Trav. No way. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Now, back to the revolution with Jim and Trav. Craig. Oh, God. Where are you? It was kind of coming together like, this is very serious. He actually might not even make it. And that to me, sorry, um, is a really hard thing to come to terms with. Ooh, that gives me the willies. Oh! I can't imagine. You know, I don't even like to fall off a chair. Jim's afraid of heights. Yeah, He's I don't even tall. like being as tall as I am. Five foot eleven. He ducks down a lot. <laughs> uh, we are talking about waterfowling on today's show. Going to take a, a brief departure though from uh, waterfowl. Uh huh. Going to talk about which. Well, so this to is a nice detour. Yeah, fight to well, kind of fight to survive. Brand new survival show on Outdoor Channel Saturdays, uh, 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. Just now being joined by a Craig DiMartino. Uh, now, Craig, this is amazing. Okay, you fell a hundred feet, literally broke every single bone uh, in your body. Now, cliffhanger here, as Jimbo said, I guess this is kind of spoiler. You didn't die, obviously. You were interviewing you. <laughs> no, exactly. Kind of gave that little bit away. <laughs> um, but tell us about your story. This was back in 2002, correct, buddy? 
That's right. Um, I have been a rock climber for about 26 years, and we were up in Rocky Mountain National Park, and just through miscommunication, uh, ended up being 100 feet up in the air. I had just finished a climb and just dropped that 100 feet, which is, for the listeners, basically a 10-story office building that, you know, falling the whole distance and landed standing up in the talus field, oh. which are just the big rocks at the bottom of the climb, and just shattered uh, everything, just broke. Uh, I had compound fractures of both feet and ankles. I broke my back my neck, my ribs, my shoulder, uh, punctured a lung, uh, lots of internal injuries. And uh, that started this amazing long journey of, of survival that kind of has lasted. Well, that initial part lasted three months. I was in the hospital for three months after many surgeries, um, ICU. And then that kind of began to rebuild my body after that and move forward from the accident. Okay. Now, that's just amazing. Um, I mean, <laughs> holy, holy crap. Let's get into this now. All right. So you land. I mean, crap is screwed up. You know right. that. Now, did this knock you out? Were you still awake? Conscious. Yeah. When, yes. When, so you Sadly, were, I was very much awake. I, I never, uh, actually never lost consciousness. I was awake for the whole really? five hours to carry me out to a meadow where a oh. helicopter could land. Yeah. The whole time I was awake, though. All right. So you're awake. Okay. Yeah. And you can see, I mean, you were in a grim situation. Um, how did you stay calm? Did you stay calm? Were you panicked? Were you thinking of your family? Were you thinking of your wife? Uh, did you not let your mind um, go there? Because Were you smoking pot? I mean, how did you stay <laughs> calm? Because let's face it, it, it you could have drifted off to the dark side and you could have right. just succumbed to death. But you chose not to. How did you do that? Well, because you do, you're in such a state of shock. I mean, you're in so much pain. That's like the thing that's foremost in your mind is how much pain you're in. Yeah. But then you're also thinking, you know, I'm thinking about my wife. I'm thinking about our kids. Yeah. You want to see them again. You want, you know, I think the thing that I've always seen in, in people who go through really bad circumstances when they have something that they're focused on that they want to get back to, they tend to pull through a lot stronger. And for me, that was my family and just being focused on seeing them again. And my wife ended up, they called her. They thought I was going to die on the carryout. So they called her and had her come to the site and oh. she did. So I actually wow. saw her. I, I don't remember. I mean, I have pictures of that in my mind, but um, you know, she wanted to see me again. She didn't know how badly I was hurt. They didn't tell her. And uh, so she got to see me in the litter and, you you kind of focus on that stuff, and I think that's what kind of drives you to kind of begin that recovery. Yeah. Now, you know what you're talking about is the will of the human being to continue on to live, and right. that's most important. Now, in in your program called Fight to Survive, that's got to be a major factor. And that's what I I didn't realize when when they came to me and said, "Hey, we'd like you to host the show because you went through something. We want." You know, they were looking at it from a credibility standpoint of these people are going to look at me and go, okay. Been there, done that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. But what I didn't realize was that the show's people that I would interview, every one of them, um, we all have this very common thread of when there's something to return to, when there's something that you are very positive about and focused on, that allows you to heal and go through what most people would look at and think, oh my gosh, that's that's horrific. And and on the surface, it is horrific. I mean, absolutely. But yeah. you you have something that you're focusing on instead of just being hurt and being in an accident. Okay. So question. You're still obviously rock climbing. All right. You have to think, and I would think to some point, be a bit terrified at times because if this happened before, it can happen again. You know, um, right. the old saying that uh, uh, lightning never strikes twice. Well, that's a bunch of BS, <laughs> you know. Um <laughs> I mean, obviously, this thought has to run your head, uh, run through your head that this could happen again. And once again, of being in that situation prior, uh, you know that it's unpleasant. Does that ever freak you out a bit? Unpleasant? Yeah. Unpleasant. unpleasant is, that's an interesting way to say that. <laughs> okay. Um, if my dog throws that, up on the floor, that's unpleasant. Okay. That yeah. was a bit of we an understatement. We passed football a long time ago. That was maybe the wrong word. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, you. I definitely think about it. Uh, initially, I was very terrified every time I was climbing. It was it was just this constant process of scaring myself silly and then going back to it again. And so after a time, that kind of got better and better. And now it's been 13 years. And I feel like it does happen. Um, it can happen, obviously, because it, it happened to me. 
But I think we do as much as we can to stay safe. We try to, we pick and choose kind of how we do climbs and where we do them. And, and hopefully that mitigates some of that risk as well. Um, that being said, yes, it, it could happen again, but I try not to focus on that. I try to just focus on the good stuff I get out of climbing, which is this amazing lifestyle that we have and these places I get to see and go and travel to. And, and those are the things I focus on. Nice. All right. We got to uh, mention once again, fight to survive Saturday, 1 30 PM Easter time on outdoor channel. I think this is awesome. I love uh, survival stories and uh, yours sounds like was the most unpleasant of all of them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that was terrible. I don't know He'll, why I even said that. We'll never forget that word, Trav. Dude, That's I, it. I think this is so, yeah, I, I, I went through all this tragedy and some jerk face said, oh, that was unpleasant. It's like getting the wrong order at uh, McDonald's. Craig, I am so sorry for that. Nah, Craig, <laughs> Craig Martino, host of Fight to Survive, once again, Outdoor Channel, Saturday, uh, 1.30 p.m. PM Easter time. This is your ultimate waterfowling guide to fall on today's show. Got to get to a break. That's a, was that a play on words there? <laughs> fall? Yes. Yeah. Uh, Outdoor Channel, Nissan, Ruger, High Mountain Seasoning, Scabellas, Extreme Beam, and Remington. Those are just some of our fine sponsors uh, that is making this show happen today. Got to get to a break. Here is a word from Mark. Mr. Craig, man, it's awesome what you're doing. Uh, looking forward to the show and thank you for everything, buddy. Thanks for having me on, you guys. I appreciate it. You bet. Hey, coming up next, we got Charlie Palmer. He is the chef, actually the resident chef for Remington, but uh, he's going to talk to us about cooking waterfowl. Cooking waterfowl. It's going to be tasty. All right, and no one's going to fall off a cliff. All right, so once again, we are going to get back to our ultimate waterfowling guide to fall right after the break. Here's a word from Mark. Don't go anywhere. Peace out. We'll see you in just a second. Keeping your eye on the prize with Outdoor Channel. Don't lose focus. Making visual contact and maintaining contact is crucial for successful shooters. And so is keeping your gun moving at the same speed as your target. Your instincts are what make you a great shot. And applying those instincts on a good visual target is the first step to hitting it. Now keep on top of your waterfowling game by accessing OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. You'll find endless reviews, helpful articles, and more at OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. Stranded, trapped, hopeless, adrift. She's looking at me, realizing my husband can die. The greatest survival stories of our time. I knew that I was in bad shape. I was just barreling down the glacier. What would you do when your worst nightmare becomes reality? If this didn't work, I had nothing I could do to help him. Fight to survive. And I would watch him die. An Outdoor Channel original series. Fight to survive. Saturdays, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. For LED flashlights with brighter, tighter beams that see farther and run longer, you want Extreme Beam, the passion to outperform. Go to www.extremebeam.com. Cabela's is the world's foremost outfitter for hunting, fishing, and outdoor gear. You can outfit all your needs through Cabela's catalogs, online, and their many stores. With the best selection, prices, and quality, all backed by a legendary guarantee. For the best in outdoor gear, go to www.cabelas.com. Remington Gun Care Products. They last longer and clean deeper, giving you better accuracy, a smoother action, and the confidence you need for the most demanding shots. Trusted by the world's top armorers, Remington Gun Care. Look for it wherever you buy your favorite shooting supplies. Maps, charts, harvest statistics, detailed hunt stories, and 1,000 photos all packed into Colorado's biggest bucks and bulls. Buy it today by calling 719-661-4037. Attention, please. Are you ready for this? Jim and Trevor back. Time to start the show again. This is The Revolution with Jim and Trev. Hey, we're back. If you're just joining us, you missed old Craig DiMartino. He has a program on Outdoor Channel called Fight to Survive, and this guy fought all the way down, all 100 feet. Yeah, Saturdays at 1.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I got into this question of, you know, why did this happen like what i know what went wrong your buddy let go of the rope (laughs) that's what truly happened there uh so we are talking about waterfowling let's get back into waterfowling Uh, just now being joined by uh the chef the chef like chef boyardee no it's charlie palmer is it risk reconteur is that what they're called i don't know what it is all right so uh you're a chef or so you claim now you got a brand new cookbook (laughs) 
uh, from Remington. It's called Camp Cooking by Charlie Palmer. You know, the problem is, Charlie, is Jim and I suck at cooking. Really bad. I, I'm, I'm super sucky, <laughs> and uh, we want to get better. No, my problem is, is I suck. Can you help me with that? You know, you know, you're, you're not bad. You're, you're not bad at the cooking part. You're just not. You, you need a little guidance. Man. <laughs> no guidance no, is what we need. No, I suck, Charlie. Let's just be honest here. All right, all right. We'll go with that. But the problem is, okay. I've had duck prepared a lot of ways. So has Jimmy. And, and of course you have. It's either really, really good or it just sucks terribly. It's like there's no middle ground there. What can we do to make our waterfowl taste better? Well, you know, I think a lot of a lot of people struggle with cooking wild wild game in general, but you know, wild ducks especially. I mean, first of all, there's very few things you can do with duck legs mm-hmm. um, besides really, really slow cooking them with moisture, meaning braising. You know, and braising this time of year especially, when you get into the fall weather, braising duck legs very, very slow, you know, browning them up in a pan, putting with any kind of aromatics, you know, some of our dry rubs and stuff like that are great for that too. And then just slow cooking them in a liquid, you know, some chicken stock, some red wine, whatever, whatever turns you on. And just put them in the oven at, you know, 250 degrees and let them cook for a long, long time till the meat falls off the bone. You know, that, that's a, that's the way to cook them. The breast, that's another story. And I always tell people with wild duck, the number one thing you can do is put them in a brine. Mm. Brine, a brine always, and in the book, there's a couple of different brines, but the brine always adds moisture. The biggest problem with wild game is there's no intermuscular fat, yeah. you know, in the breast meat. You know, it's, it's beautiful, lean and everything, but you don't have that moisture. And, and, and when you, you know, people cook it, they dry it out and then it's just, it's not good. It gets that livery texture and taste, you know. You bet. So if you brine them, you know, it adds moisture, you know, into the duck. And then I always tell people, even if they're not a rare, you know, rare kind of meat person, don't overcook the breast. Whether you're grilling it, you're searing it in a pan, um, you're sauteing them, you know, keep them pink. Mm-hmm. You know, keep them pink in the center, and and then slice it thin. And there's always, you know, that that brining adds moisture to the breast. You know, not overcooking it keeps the moisture in the meat, and you're going to have a delicious, you know, duck breast. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you can do all kinds of things: cook them ahead of time, cool them down slightly, slice them thin, and toss them in a salad. You know, slices of it. You know, that's the other thing too, like. Presenting a big chunk of duck breast sometimes is not the best thing to do. Think about using it in different ways. You know, take a pasta, for instance. Make a nice, simple pasta, maybe with some wild mushrooms or or any kind of greens or stuff tossed with it. And then at the last minute, toss some of the sliced duck meat into the pasta. Delicious Mm. like that. And for that matter, you know, that slow braised duck leg that's falling off the bone and just, you know, take all the bones out, just, just that meat in the braising liquid, tossing that with a pasta or tossing that even with some caramelized potatoes and onions is just delicious, you know, and it's something you can do ahead of time. It's ready to go, you know. I mean, I always slow braise in the wintertime, and I think some of the best parts of it are put it in the oven, let it slow cook. You come into the house, you get that amazing smell. The whole house smells like slow braised, you know, meats. You know, and, and it's kind of like, you know, that's that's even better than the taste sometimes. Yeah, we're talking with Charlie Palmer. Of course, he has 11 restaurants across the country. Matter of fact, he's the guy that started Peking Duck. Yeah, you know, what turns me on is hearing you talk about preparing <laughs> duck. <laughs> now, where can we find you online, Charlie? CharliePalmer.com. Very simple. Uh, we always have interesting recipes on there, too. And, of course, uh, you know, get that Remington cookbook. It's got yeah. a lot of great recipes, you know, ever since it came out. It's been, uh, you know, people love it. Uh, people have remarked on how great the recipes are, how easy they are to do. Um, so, you know. Yeah. You alluded to uh, the Remington cookbook, and you can actually go to Remington's website. It's Remington.com. It's called uh, Remington Camp Cooking by Charlie Palmer. Now, in there, there's just tons and tons of recipes, but also I mentioned earlier about the sauces and marinades and rubs. You can order those online. Now, when you were, were designing, and I have to say designing this because I absolutely love your barbecue sauce, Uh it, it it's a bourbon flavored, and I'll tell you what you can actually taste the bourbon in it, and yet oh, yeah. it, it it's such a tangy flavor for just about any uh, any meat. Uh, is that what you had in mind when you were designing these? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I wanted it to be universal. You know, something that could be used with a lot of different meats. You know, everything from you know basic pork and you know 
beef, you know, things like that. But, but especially for game meats, you know, and I think, you know, whether it's a duck breast or whether it's a wild boar, you know, we just do some wild boar and flash it on a grill with a little of that, uh, that bourbon barbecue sauce, just delicious, you know. Oh, yeah. But, you know, really versatile stuff, you know. Same thing with the rubs, you know, you can use your imagination. They're a little bit different combinations of spices. But, you know, again, whether it's pork or wild boar, uh, venison, you know, we did a lot of, uh, a lot of recipe testing with different meats like that, really lean things where, you know, we did a nice coating on the outside. It creates like a crust, mm-hmm. you know, whether you're doing it on a grill or you're doing it in a pan, you know, quick searing in the oven. But, you know, again, really uh, universal. All right. So one more time, Mr. Charlie, to find out more about you, I'm sure you got Facebook, Twitter, all that good stuff. Uh, where can we find you online, man? CharliePalmer.com. Very easy, guys. All right, that's where you got to go if you want to have the the most elegant, the finest wild game. You bet. And also, if you'd like to get this uh, Remington cookbook by Charlie uh, Palmer, uh, go to Remington.com and also pick up some marinades and rubs and barbecue sauce. That's right. I want to say a big thank you to Outdoor Channel, Nissan, Ruger, High Mount Seasonings, Cabela's, Extreme Beam, Remington, and Lucky Buck. Got to get to a break. Coming up after the break, we are going to have uh, Chad Belding with uh, Fidelis the Foul Life. Got to check him out on Outdoor Channel Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Outdoor Channel. Here is a word from Mark. Mr. Charlie, man, thank you so much, buddy. We appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Stay well, okay? Keep hunting. Road tripping with Nissan. It's go time. We have tablets, conversations, the radio, and whatnot for entertainment during long travels. But what about Fido? So pack your dog's favorite training dummy for fun. And a few retrievers can get his or her's digestive system loosened up so they'll do their business faster during potty breaks. So there's plenty more expert advice, press releases, and crafty tips at OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. It's your hub for all things outdoors. Looking for the ultimate cooking machine for your backyard or patio? Look no further than Camp Chef's new pellet grill and smoker. With user-friendly features like an auto-ignition, digital readouts, and internal meat temperature sensors, it's easy to smoke the tastiest salmon, ribs, brisket, and turkey you'll ever eat. And an innovative system makes cleanup a snap. Everyone will want the food you're cooking on your Camp Chef pellet grill and smoker. The quality smoker that's second to none. Find out more at CampChef.com. Camp Chef way to cook outdoors. Located in the heart of Maui's premier resort, Kanapali Beach Hotel is officially recognized as Hawaii's most Hawaiian hotel and the number one best value in Hawaii. With a range of accommodations and affordable dining options, this is the ideal setting to turn Hawaiian dreams into lifelong memories. Live Hawaiian entertainment every evening, free year-round children's programs, weekly arts and crafts fairs, welcome breakfast, and departure kukui lei ceremonies add to the value. Swim in the whale-shaped pool, indulge in the fabulous spa and hotel salon, enjoy Hawaiian hospitality at its best at the Ka'anapali Beach Hotel. Call 800-262-8450 or go to kbhmaui.com. That's kbhmaui.com. Aloha. Roger, there seems to be a lot of traffic out here on the Information Superhighway. Uh, looks like they're all heading to OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. Uh, it's a pretty big mess out here. This is The Revolution. With Jim and Trav. Now, back to the boys. Hey, we're back. If you're just joining us, you missed old Charlie Palmer. He has uh, uh, a cookbook on uh, Remington's website called... Camp cooking. Camp cooking is right there. Yeah. yeah pretty cool. Uh, he can so, make a dish rag taste good. Yeah, we're talking about uh, waterfowl. This is your ultimate waterfowling guide to follow on today's show. You know, uh, go to our website, OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com. You can see uh, a bunch of articles written by Jim, some blogs, uh, Trav's takes. We got uh, Trav's beard. Some Trav's beard. You know, someone posted this morning, uh, uh, beard rule number 47, you touch my beard, I'll touch your butt. <laughs> That's a good rule to follow sometimes. You better hope it's somebody you know. Yeah, anyways, uh, we're just now being joined by uh, Chad Belding, and he's with uh, Benelli's The Foul Life with Chad Belding. It's on Outdoor Channel every Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern Time. Anyways, Chad, how's it going, buddy? 
Good, guys. Thanks for having me. Good. Now, your uncle isn't a Mr. Belding, is it? No, man, but I I, I watched that show. Screech <laughs> was my favorite. For sure. <laughs> that guy turned into a super freak. Um, I, oh, yeah, big time. <laughs> now, you're sponsored by Benelli. What is uh, the, the uh, gun that you shoot? And also, uh, you shoot three inches or three and a half. Yeah, we have a great partnership with Benelli, and, uh, you know, I consider them, uh, you know, kind of an iconic brand when it comes to waterfowl hunting. And we, we, uh, pretty much use the Super Black Eagle too. Some of our guys use Super Vinci. They're both chambered for three and a half inch. We actually just went to South Dakota last week and did a Canada goose hunt and filmed a new commercial with Benelli, and, uh, it, it, it really showcased and highlighted their three and a half inch chamber guns. Myself, I prefer a three inch number twos or BBs for Canada geese or, number fours, fives, or sixes for uh, mallard ducks or any kind of duck, but um, I mainly want to get them close enough to where we can identify them so there's no cripples and you're not shooting a lot of hens or female ducks and being able to pick out those drakes, get them tight, back flapping in the decoys, and then and like you said, I mean, Benelli's perform every time we pull the trigger, and, and, and that's exactly what we need. Yeah. Now, in, in this time of the year, you know, the, the migrations really haven't started, at least here in the Central Flyway, and so uh, we, do we occasionally get you know some flocks in certainly we do but uh we tend to go earlier in the season and put out smaller spreads because that's basically what's happening out there do you find that to be true as well yeah i do i don't think there's a huge concentration when you start talking about local ducks or or the ducks they first start to come in like you guys are in kansas so if you start to watch cheyenne bottoms or covera or the arkansas river some you'll really start to see ducks spreading out and then once the weather patterns start to change, it gets cold, they start bunching up and feeding in the same area, and then that puts them back on a day loaf together or on a roost together. So you can really start to get, hone your scouting skills and start to take notes on where the biggest concentrations of ducks are. So, yeah, this time of year, smaller decoys. I always say don't show them all your aces at once. You know, keep a couple aces up your sleeve for later on in the season and, and really try to manipulate them right now with smaller decoy spreads, a little bit of motion with a flag or a jerk string, jerk cord. And, uh, you know, and do what you can. And then once the migration starts and you start seeing those huge numbers accumulate in masses, then you can, you know, really start putting your skills to the test once you can, you know, pinpoint them and, and, and really center up on them. Yeah. Uh, one more question for you. Uh, you've really hunted all over the country. Uh, have you ever been up in the northeastern part of the country and used any of those sneak boats? I have not. I've never done any of the sneak boat hunting. I've hunted up in the northeast part of the country a couple of times, but mainly just for Canada geese on the eastern shore, some mallard ducks and um, but I have, I know guys that have done it. They, they, they say that they do enjoy it, but, uh, it hasn't been my forte yet. Yeah. It looks like a lot of work to me. Yeah. Lots of work. Yeah. Once again, talking with, uh, Chad Belding, Benelli's The Foul Life Outdoor Channel Thursdays, uh, 7 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, now where can we find you online, buddy? Banditnation.com and bandit.com and then, uh, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And, and, uh, I truly appreciate you guys having us, uh, giving us this opportunity. And, and I appreciate all of our partners and Benelli and Federal and, everybody that supports us do all outdoors and real tree. I can go on and on, but without them and the fans, uh, this was kind of a dream when we started it in 2008. And now our, our waterfowl brand bandit has become a very significant, in my opinion. And, and we're trying to think outside the box and, and do things that, uh, that, that, that kind of haven't been done in the industry before. And hopefully some of it sticks and we throw it at the wall. And, and uh, again, I appreciate uh, you guys putting us on and giving us a chance to talk to people. Yeah. And matter of fact, we'd like to be a part of bandit too, because I play a, a trumpet and, Travis plays drums. Yeah, we suck, though. <laughs> All right, so big big thank you to Outdoor Channel, Nissan, Ruger, High Mount Seasonings, Cabela's, Extreme Beam, and Remington. Once again, we just talked with Chad Belding with Benelli's The Foul Life. Got to check him out Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time on Outdoor Channel. Just hop on Google, though, uh, and Google Chad Belding. Chad, you're awesome, man. Thank you so much, buddy. Thank you guys very much. Have a great day. All right, here's worth Mark. Don't go anywhere. Outdoor Channel's tips on getting dressed for success. What not to wear. You're probably already aware that most waterfowl patterns are dull brown, but the early season marsh can be a vibrant green. So hunters who wear clothing that matches the green color of the reeds will blend in better and ultimately get closer shots. Want to improve your game in the field this fall? OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com can help you do just that and also keep you entertained. OutdoorTrailsNetwork.com it's another exciting episode of Buy or 
Bust on the Revolution with Jim and Trav. Buy or bust. Well, Trav, as everybody knows, we've recently got into making short videos. Yeah, pretty cool. Um, and we use the, what is it called? The GoPro Hero 3 Black Edition. Yeah, whatever. And it, and it comes with, it's kind of a neat little package thing. About uh, three, 350 bucks for it. About 400 About 400 Yeah, now ours has like a waterproof case that you could put it in just in case you drop it in a lake, river. Or you want to take, like in Alaska. Underwater stuff. Underwater uh, photographs of big salmon swimming by. Well, you know, bird hunting is coming up. They actually have this new, because they have little uh, devices where you can mount it to your chest. You can put it on the end of a gun. You you can put it on your helmet, but they have put this, it on a surfboard. They have this thing called yeah, a fetch, and it's a harness you can put on your bird dog and really? film as your bird dog goes on his retrieves and anything else like that. I mean, it's really cool for hunting seasons to capture those moments where you can always go back uh, home and tell family, loved ones, friends about your trip. But if you could show them a little short video, uh, it's pretty cool. I like the GoPro. The only downside that I see to it. One, battery life. Yeah. You might want to get a couple extra batteries that don't last long, especially if you're taking high-resolution uh, videos. High, yeah, exactly. Also, there is no zoom factor in it. You can't zoom in. It's just a fixed so it's just lens. just a wide-angle lens. Yeah, you could do, like, it's fisheye lens. I mean, it's pretty cool. You can yeah. adjust it. About 18 degrees. Now, the thing is... Uh, when I'm when I'm actually editing the videos, Trav, I don't know if you've noticed it or not. I always have to go into the restroom and take some Dramamine because when you get it on the back of a dog, holy cow! Yeah, you it's can a get little carsick. You've never edited anything, <laughs> so uh, no. You I can think they're pretty into cool. Your boot, you know, it, it's it is nice to take. Now I think everybody films their hunts now a bit too much. Like, <laughs> oh, you're so special. You shot a deer. Um, but I really think it is cool, especially if you're taking young kids out, you know, because they really want to show their mom or Timmy, the next door neighbor that owns Lassie, you know, <laughs> um, I think it's pretty cool. Also, if you do happen to harvest uh, a big deer, elk, whatever, uh, to be able to film that, that's like a once in a lifetime chance right there. Yep. You know, now here's the thing. Say it's, it's, uh, in lower light situations and you've got one of those Luminox. Okay, uh, you can actually replay that. Say you haven't recovered it that night, you can go back in, replay it, and see exactly where that arrow hit. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of things you can do with it. You can't beat it. I like it. GoPro Hero Three. It's high definition, black edition. Yeah. Okay. I really should have looked that up. All right. So this is buy or bust. We say it is a buy. Got to get to a break. That's the GoPro Hero Three, black edition. Peace out. Tune in next time for another exciting episode of Buy or Bust with Jim and Trav on The Revolution. A new and unusual kind of program. You're listening to The Revolution with Jim and Trav. I've never seen such thing in all my life. Hey, everything you ever want to know was in this week's show on waterfowling. Good show. Yeah, yeah. Don't fall off any cliffs The part that I like the best. Yeah, that's right. But the part I like best. What? Bunny's duck call. I know. <laughs> she just said goodbye. Yep. <laughs> All right, so we want to say a special thank you to you're John Devney. You're the special translator for um, the That's call, right. right? I, I can translate whatever she says. John Devney, how about Chad Belding, uh, Craig DiMartino, Mrs. Bunny, and uh, Charlie Palmer. Charlie Great Palmer. People. Great guy. Yeah, hey, we want to also thank our 430 affiliate stations, our advertisers, and everyone that makes the show possible, like Miss Bunny, Fun Joe, our producer Mark Fernary, and Frank the Sound Guy. We love you, boys and girls. Can you say God bless you in duck? <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, Jesus and all the ducks love you guys. Get out this weekend. Take some kids with you. Your local news weather is next. Peace out. We'll talk next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.